Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris, and I'm joined, as always, by Stu. Hello again. And by Tom. Hi. Um, we're here to discuss, I think it's fair to say, what has been one of the most difficult race weekends, at least in my memory, of being an F1 fan. I'm sure it's the same for you guys. Yeah. We're not going to sit here and discuss all the details of what happened. I don't think that is going to add anything to the discourse, and it's been done to death already, I think, in at least in our opinion. I think the main thing to say really is that well, we came very close to losing a driver this weekend just gone, and we can all be very glad that all of the safety things that are there all did their job. Um, I mean, the halo in particular, there's been a number of, uh, Grosjean himself, in fact, included in this saying, I was not for the halo. I now think it's the best thing that's ever been added to the sport, um, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. Obviously, also, everyone involved in the um, FYA medical team, uh, the doctor Ian Roberts and the medical car driver Alan van der Merve were just heroic, including the um, the marshals at the circuit as well. It, it, was, it was a terrifying thing to watch, and the fact that we've come out the other side of it the way we have is... I've seen the word miracle thrown around, and I actually think that does a disservice to all of the people going right back to like Charlie Whiting and Professor Sid Watkins who've spent all this time improving safety and you know everyone who pushed through the halo being introduced and all of those things um I think we just have to take a moment to thank all of those people basically don't we oh yeah big time I think like it's you know it's those many many incremental changes that have led up to someone surviving really the i think it's safe to say the, the mother of all shunts i don't think i've ever seen an accident like yeah that. no i mean i mean we've we've seen terrible accidents we've unfortunately seen accidents that lead to fatality but i don't think i've seen anything where i just instant just instant like pit in the stomach kind of moment like some accidents look bad and you think, you know, I hope everyone's okay. But this was one of those where you're almost instantly fearing the worst, aren't you? Completely, like, yeah. 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 It's, it's, difficult. it's difficult to even sit and talk about it, I think, to a degree. Like I can, I can feel a bit of that sort of emotion from the moment coming back a little bit or where I just oh, yeah. ended up just, I just ended up just walking away. Like, well, you guys know, cause we were talking during it. Like, yeah. I ended up walking away for 20 minutes or something just because I was a bit miffed about seeing it on repeat constantly yeah. to be told. And, and I mean, I know there's coverage to do, but I, you just don't need to be seeing it on repeat over and over again. But no. even if you do know that the, the drivers got out relatively unscathed, but even then we weren't 100% sure of that at the time, were we? So, um, yeah, I won't say too much about how, how much it was played because I probably shouldn't say my opinion on it, but let's just say I, at least you had the option of watching <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, there is that. And not there having to having to watch it on repeat for a, an hour afterwards. Oh, it was, yeah. Yeah, and, easily. Yeah, and the, also just to add to the sort of the, the emotional side of it, there was a... 
a, a good window of time where you know we didn't know he'd even got out of the car. Like I don't, it felt, I, I, I don't know. It felt like a. It, it probably wasn't. It was probably only like maybe thirty seconds where we didn't know whether or not he'd got out of the car, but it felt like a lifetime. And mm. it, I never ever ever want to feel that way at work ever again in my life ever. It, no. I, it was just. I mean, it was bad enough. It, it was it was as bad as the Hubert incident um, mm. for me a, a year ago, over a year ago, and mm. um, yeah, it's just it, it was really, 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 really tough, and just makes you sort of not want to, not want to, you know, be part of it almost anymore. Yeah. Like it, it was horrible. It was really, really horrible. No, I completely get that. You you definitely have that moment of why do I watch this when this is a possibility of something that can yeah, happen. And exactly, it's one of those things where you know F one is safer than it ever has been, and it, it's always going in the right direction. And it's easy to get a little bit complacent with that, but these things can always happen. And I think this accident proved that all the safe things in the world you can't mitigate against freak occurrences like the the way it played yeah. out i don't think anyone could ever have planned for and i'm sure i mean yeah. from this point onwards they will analyze and learn from that and put things in place to stop the same thing happening again going yeah. forward um, absolutely which is obviously the most important thing and we're just very lucky that we're that all of that is happening off the back of the result we had and not something far far worse yeah. um yeah. I still can't believe it. I still like just thinking back to the moment and thinking back to how that unfolded. I honestly, I can't believe he survived. It's yeah. Just... I like going back and watching the race highlights before we sat down to do this and watching it back again. I still was like, there's, there's no way a person can walk out of that. It's yeah. unbelievable. And to, unbelievable. And to be as unscathed, relatively unscathed as he was, you know, second degree burns is basically blisters, heat blisters, hot blisters, bad blisters, but still yeah. like it's not, yeah. third degree burns are sort of down to like the flesh and not down into the, into the body. But second degree burns are pretty superficial in, con- in comparison to third degree burns. So all of everything he was wearing, you know, that all did its job as well. Like, And it's just all those, like you say, it's all those little steps all those little features working in conjunction together to to save this person's life in the most horrific accident ever that i've seen Um, yeah by a long way so yeah it's just amazing i guess where we're at now and how we're so lucky to have the level of technology where these guys can have these kinds of accidents and and come out of the other end other side of it and 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 not really have much other than a bit of a bruising to show for it. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. absolutely I mean, mad. They initially thought he maybe had some broken ribs, but they've since confirmed that he's got absolutely no fractures. Um, I, I mean, I'm surprised. I can't understate how surprised I am with that. Yeah, because it's unbelievable. the The amount of like just stopping force in that moment in terms of i mean coming out of that corner i don't know specifically but they're going to be 
150 miles an hour plus i would say i think the things i've read have said like an impact speed of like 130 to 140 yeah right yeah so like, I, I just noticed a lot of them are sort of sixth gear which and like you say that's sort of anywhere in like 130 mm. to 160 depending on where they're at with the ratios and stuff so yeah it, I, but i mean the, to go to to pierce the barrier like it does and not come away with anything physical from that impact is insane i mean it's i know in all of our opinion and in most sensible people's opinion the halo debater was put to bed a very yes, long time ago 100%. but and, if it I, wasn't already then it completely is now like yeah for, for, for us obviously we've you know there's nothing superficial will ever outweigh something for safety it ne- it never will i don't no, no. i don't care what it looks like and uh, obviously a vast majority of people are there were still those people that like well i'm not sure what it will actually do so on and so forth the thing that's like kind of pleased me off the back of that is i've seen a huge majority of comments basically saying okay so i was one of those people before that was like i don't see what value it's actually adding other than just the fact that it looks rubbish da, 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 all this but now, but after this weekend, I am 100% behind it. Yeah. And it, it, it's obviously brought that realisation to those people that were still in doubt. And that's that's like mm. a, one of the many sort of good things that can be taken away from this, I think, that it, it it's opened a lot of people's eyes as to why we make these changes. Well, I say we. Why, why the FIA make these changes to the regulations from a safety perspective. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, I think the Halo does still have room for improvement, though. Oh without, yeah, no, nobody, it's of, never perfect. Yeah, it can not, ne- I know safety can perfect. never be perfect. And I'm not going to sit here and say the Halo isn't fit for purpose because it absolutely is. It's, it did the job there. Yeah. But I can absolutely think of scenarios in that accident where angles are ever so slightly different. Yeah. Where he could have become trapped or something like that. The, yep. the system yeah. needs to be improved still. And yeah, absolutely. I'm absolutely sure they'll look into this accident and that will be one of the takeaways from it. Because I, I, initially, I thought it was trapped by the halo. I didn't realize it got out of the car. So mm. yeah. on the one hand, in the initial phase of the accident, you know, and again, let's not get too far into it, but I'll, I'll say this one thing. But in the initial phase of the accident, yes, it's absolutely no doubt saved his life. But there's, you know, it doesn't take much for it to have saved his life to then in the next phase of the accident trapped him in the car yeah. and and he's you know he's struggling to get it. so the system just needs to be improved the the halo is absolutely mm-hmm. required whatever it looks like it is requ- it is a requirement on a formula 1 car mm-hmm. but they need mm-hmm. need they were they got a bit lucky i think i think they need 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 to make a change to it where there's a there's a means of getting it out of the way because when you saw stroll's accident not long after you know, he really looked like he was struggling a bit to get out of that car, and yeah, you know, it's it's not nice to see. You don't want to see drivers struggling to get out of cars. No, and no. go on, Tom. I was just going to say, I think that one one thing that might be beneficial from here is taking like the um, the IndyCar Aero Shield thing that they have because theirs is more of a full screen as well, and putting that through some form of similar tech because obviously we don't want what happened to happen again but i mean surely 
something like that needs to be put onto the regimented crash tests now because it i mean it might be in a scenario where we wouldn't expect a car to go off the track the way it did in that manner which is why it's why there was no like none of the like tech pro stuff in front of the barriers it's why it was the way it was and, and so on and so forth but we've seen from this that that scenario can by freak of circumstance exist so mm, yeah. i think that some of some of the some stuff needs to be added, added to the testing, essentially. Yeah, the crash testing. And I think. Off well, the there's always, there's just always the, the upshot is there's, there's just always room for improvement. I think that's yeah. that's yeah. all I'm saying. Like that, it's, it there's, there's just always room for improvement, and you don't often, like you're saying, you don't often realize that that there's necessarily scope for the improvement until you get a, a certain situation. So, yep, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and and there were a lot of elements of this that he got very lucky with um and obviously the fyi will you know put a massive investigation into this and safety is never a thing where you can say okay we're, we're done we've we've got safe enough like it, no you just it's a constant strive for improvement and obviously there will be lots of improvements that come from this so yeah it's one of those things where you, you they'll go away they'll dissect it and they'll say at each phase of of you know that Though every every millisecond of of that incident, how could this millisecond have gone better in this situation? Yeah, and what can we do to make it go better? And they'll they'll go away, they'll analyze, and the end result of this accident hopefully will be we end up with even safer cars, which which mm-hmm. is always a good thing. Yeah, always. Cool. Always. Shall we move? Shall we? Shall we move it on? Yeah. Um. So obviously. The good news is that, um, as we said, uh, Roman only has uh, burns to the back of his hands, which he's been treated for. They think he's going to leave hospital this coming Thursday. He and the team have all decided that he will very understandably skip. They said they'll be, he was skipping at least one race. I mean, I think if he never steps in a Formula One car again, nobody will blame him, to be honest. But um, <laughs> yeah. they're still leaving the option open that he'll do the Abu Dhabi race. It doesn't mean that this weekend we're going to get um, reserve driver Pietro Fittipaldi, who's the grandson of two-time world champion Emerson, making his F1 debut in his place. He's been their reserve driver for a few years now. He's been sort of knocking around the team. He only just got his super license earlier this year, actually. But yeah, that's, uh, that's what he's there for. It's what he's been trained for this whole time. So um be interested to see how he gets on this coming weekend. It's going to be a tough weekend for him. It's, it's going to be, be a heck yeah. of a debut in, in that it? car. <laughs> that car is not the best Formula One car, not the fastest okay. Formula One car. So, um, and at this track as well, they're going to. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a pretty I mean, crazy it, track. It'd be interesting. At least he's in a situation where nobody else actually knows that track until they they get out on That's it. That's true. Either. Yeah. I mean, they'll know they'll they'll know the surface. They'll know two-thirds of it, obviously, they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll know they'll know <laughs> portions of it, but. Nobody knows that like out and out lap mm. properly yet to to race it in anger. So mm. uh, at least he's, that, that's on his side. Yeah, I'm not sure even like I'm not sure there's probably even a simulator of this configuration of this circuit. I'm sure they've like cobbled one together, but there won't be yeah, not an accurate, accurate one. one. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shall we talk about the rest of the race? Yes. Yes. He was obviously won by Hamilton, who he was never really troubled by Verstappen, was he? Um, they sort of went on different tyre strategies, but that didn't really make much difference. Not helped by an, an uncharacteristically very slow pit stop from Red Bull. Um, I don't remember the last time we saw Red Bull have a pit stop yeah. that poor, actually. It was 
a point where they really needed one of their 1.8 second ones and instead it was something like four point something which was um, a bit of a surprise to see there was the late safety car that could have caused Hamilton some issues because Verstappen had swapped to the fresher tyres for fastest lap but as it was the race finished under the safety car which I think was probably the right thing to do at that point it's I don't know, I'm sure it would have been fun to have a last lap sprint, but it also seems very unfair to decide a race in that yeah. manner, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Also, it I think it, weird, was it? At, at that point, I don't think anyone was up for that at that point of the race either. I think we'd all seen enough carnage at the, by that it point. Was, so yeah. It was, just, it was very, it like, at that point. it was sort of a, everyone was a little bit like, let's just get over the line at that point. It really it was, yeah. There didn't seem to be any yeah. sort of racing going on at, uh, on the run to the line. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I was glad that, I was so glad it was over when it was over. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> <laughs> It was a, a really great drive again from Perez uh, to basically hold third of the whole race, kept Albon a nice distance behind him. But it was a, they think it was an MGUK failure with three laps to go that caused him to retire uh, in pretty heartbreaking circumstances, which handed Albon his uh, second podium. It was, it was a weird one because obviously we think the fight for that Red Bull seat is between Albon and Perez and. It was a result Albon needed. Uh, I think the fact that he qualified much better this weekend certainly helped a lot. But then at the same time, you could argue Albon probably should have been catching Perez and beating him on track rather than having to get lucky through a a failure, wouldn't you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we'd wear wear Max's with the same car. Mm. It was on, on paper, it was a great result for Albon, but... In reality, it was a much better race for him, but the same issues were sort of still there, I guess. Yeah, you do yeah. wonder, because he, he, did, he did seem a bit sort of more on song this weekend than what he has done. Well, after he got his new chassis, actually, after his uh, yeah, that's a good point. accident in FP2. Two, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. FP2. He had a FP2. massive shunt in the final corner, um, which that pretty much wrecked three corners of the car absolutely but it was a new chassis so um you do wonder if there was something wrong with that old chassis yeah because for for him to be a bit closer but i think that's his third it'd be on his third chassis this season that's his second chassis change uh yeah probably is isn't it um but yeah you're right he kind of came alive after that didn't he he was fourth in practice three and then qualified fourth where he ran for Mm. basically the whole race until he inherited that so definitely an improvement Christian Horn at the weekend said Perez is still in consideration, but their priority is still that they want Albon to succeed and they're not going to make any decisions until mm. after the season is over. Oh, yeah. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Like You watch the mm. performances Perez has put in the last couple of races and the thought of him not being on the grid seems insane, but at the same time... Yeah, it's not up to Christian Horner, you know, to keep to, to look after Sergio Perez. His priority, quite rightly, is, you know put the effort into making this driver that we've invested all this time and effort into and finding out why it's not working and making it work. Because at the end of the day, Alex Albon, I think, is a very good driver. And if you put someone else in that car, there's no guarantee that's going to solve your problems. If anything, yeah, yeah. we've had a number of good drivers in that car now and not one of them has been able to compete as competitively as what you'd like them to against... Max Verstappen. Now, is it Max Verstappen, as we keep saying, is Max Verstappen getting a lot more out of that car than what that car has got in it to the average driver? Or is 
is there an inherent problem with the way they've gone on setup that suits him particularly and literally no one else? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a difficult one, but you, you sort of lean towards, given the number of drivers that they've had paired with Verstappen now, who've had, had Ricardo, Gasly, um, Albon, Kvyat. and Kvyat at one point. Who was Kvyat with right? Verstappen? No, he got he got nudged down to let Verstappen yeah he got he was it? replaced by Verstappen yeah, um, but even so like this, he when he was replaced by Verstappen Verstappen was doing a hell of a lot more with that car than what Kvyat was. Well, we won his first race, didn't he, in that car? Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. So it, literally, like the the very first session, the f- first race he had in that car, he won. Yeah, when he was replacing Kvyat. So there's definitely something special about. Max Verstappen, that whoever you, whoever else you put in that car, it's almost like that Lewis Hamilton effect, like you know, like the Hamilton v Bottas effect, or the Hamilton v whoever else ends up in that car. If Bottas ever vacates the seat, they're probably not going to beat Hamilton. So yeah, it's a kind of what point, job, isn't it? Yeah, at what point do you draw the line and say, let's just stick with this driver and try to try to either get them comfortable with the car or adapt the car such that they are comfortable with it. You know, where's the middle ground? And I guess from Red Bull's point of view, Albon is a known quantity. Like they, they know what he's capable of. They know what he can and can't do and what he needs. And as much as we know, Perez is a quick racing driver. You're sort of still kind of starting from scratch. If you start chopping and changing again, and that's the mistake I think they've already made a few times over the years. So, yeah, and I think yeah, also what... you'd be mistaken to think that um, Sergio Perez is going to go into that car and be happy to be second best as well. I don't think there's yeah, a single that's... driver on that grid who's going to be happy to be second best to anyone. And we know historically yeah. Red Bull aren't good at having two similarly fast drivers. Like that's not gone great for them historically. No, no, not not when it's been a good car. Exactly. Yeah, like the whole. Vettel Weber scenario. Yeah, I mean, you say and it's not I, gone great from. They won a few championships. <laughs> it was difficult. They had a they had a hard time, but they. We're talking about more the driver relationship to yeah, yeah, than anything sure. else. Look, they're in a position where um they could knock each other off the road a couple of times and still win the championship, but yeah, they're not in that position like right me, now. Much like Mercedes <laughs> when Rosberg and Hamilton. Yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, big time. Uh-huh. I missed that. I want more of that. Yeah. Bring back Rosberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that Perez failure meant racing point kind of bookended the race with retirements after Stroll got uh, flipped upside down by Kvyat on the first lap after the restart. Kvyat got a 10 second penalty for that. We, it's, it's kind of a shame because he actually recovered back to 11th place, so he could easily have been well into the points without that penalty. Do we think a 10 second penalty was justified for that? Or was that a bit harsh? Um, I, I watched it back a few times, and it's I saw I saw a really good piece of analysis on it by Karun Chandok that I think probably explains it the best. And I think the point is is that he started making the move and then just kind of slowed it all up and kind of ended up almost parked on the apex. Mm. And at that at that point, when he's kind of slowed off in Stroll's line of sight for where he is and the speed he's, he's at behind him, Stroll's kind of thinking, 
he's given up on it and he's still kind of ended up there. And if Kvyat had kind of kept his foot in it a little bit and maintained his speed a bit more, he could have obviously taken, he could have essentially taken the inside line and, and Stroll giving him space. But I think Stroll's come across on the basis that he thinks Kvyat's backed out because yeah. of how much he's slowed up. And that that's probably the best analysis of it that I've seen from Karun after the race. But I'm, ten seconds maybe feels a bit harsh. But I, I mean, I what sort else of, are you going to give in that scenario? Yeah, I, guess? I sort of feel like it's one of those things where the result of it was a lot worse than the actual initial sort of infraction. Yeah. Like a few inches further back, and they just have bumped wheels, and Stroll would probably have got a kick of oversteer at worst been spun round and then carried on. But I think it's, again, we've said it a few times this season, the result of the incident is being taken into account in the penalty. I think that's it. Yeah. Mm. Although the incident itself looks fairly pedestrian, the outcome of... I'm very interested you said that because you just brought me onto a really good point. So you said the... You just said Lance Stroll's car being flipped upside down well, <laughs> looked like uh, a pedestrian I'm not talking about incident. That. I'm not talking about that bit. I'm talking about what Kvyat did. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was okay. fairly pedestrian. Yeah. Be- because it was, it was, it was just like slow. I mean, he wasn't even on the track. He was, if you, if you look back at the footage, um, Stroll's sort of clipping the apex, which is the race, like, like Stroll's on the racing line and Kvyat's kind of a long way back and then just kind of parks on the other side of the yeah, of the of the ballard and it, it's I, I think that if nobody's seen the current analysis I, I don't know if it'll be available anywhere but it's worth taking a quick look at it mm. because I, I think I, it's an apt summary I saw it from an onboard so my point about you saying it looked a pedestrian <laughs> ac- uh, accident I think in the context of what we'd seen you know, less than an hour, well, around an hour before it, it did look like a pretty mild accident. But I think if that had not yeah. happened before, then we probably <laughs> would have been like, oh my God, his car got flipped and upside down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's a good yeah, point. possibly. Yeah, like when, when, it, yeah, when I say it was a, a more pedestrian thing, it was definitely more the way Kvyat went into the move. It was a very pedestrian yeah. attempt at a move is what I was getting at. It yeah. reminded me a lot of um, Hulkenberg hanging like a cow last year. That was the first thing that sprung to mind uh, when he the said The first that. one that sprung to mind for me was um, uh, Gutierrez in, the pre- I think, the same exact same spot. Or was it turn one maybe for oh, Gutierrez? It was turn one because yeah. Maldonado had just come out of the pits, hadn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and just oh, yeah, yeah, steamed into it, the yeah. side of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it basically reminded me of that. Man, so. I wonder if uh, Pastor Maldonado's had any crashes recently. Where's my Wacom gone? <laughs> Depends if anyone's let him in I'm a car. Sure I don't know what he's doing. Do you think that website's still days, going? As Pastor Maldonado crashed. crashed there, I, th- yeah. I think he got shut down when he retired, actually. I think they retired it along with him. Well, say retired when he <laughs> was not given a new contract. Let's have a look. Mm. Oh, Oh, it's still... It's still live. Oh, really? It's still live. <laughs> Security check. Oh, I don't know if I want to click that. Okay, yeah, maybe, no, maybe click, avoid don't that. Click that. Dodgy. <laughs> Do not click that. Uh, no information available for this page. They, they must still. They must still own the domain, but not have a thing. Yeah, on. yeah. Don't click he's, anything. It's basically just. All, all he's really done is some LMP stuff with Dragon Speed, and that's it. Oh, there yeah. is a Twitter though. 
Um, <laughs> June seventeenth, twenty nineteen, was the last tweet. It was a Le Mans yeah. incident in a, a wrecker. Um, oh yeah, it's a bit of a. I mean, it's, it was it, it, everything's fine. Everything's, <laughs> everything's fine. Let's not let's not get too deeply into uh, silly crashes this episode. Eh? Next thing, <laughs> <laughs> moving swiftly on. Yeah, so that double retirement for Racing Point, which was pretty heartbreaking for them, opened the door for McLaren to claw back some points in that fight for third, which they did in some style, actually, uh, fourth and fifth place, which was particularly impressive given how dire their qualifying was. And yeah. Norris was ninth and Sainz was 15th. Um, I mean, 15th to 5th is a heck of a drive from Sainz. He was really, really good that race. Um, Renault sort of struggled to seventh and ninth it kind of felt like at every critical point in the race the Renaults were just fighting each other and not yep. everyone else around them and the team just seemed to let them do that for a couple of laps and then be like oh actually we're letting by like they really were their own worst enemies that race weren't they yeah hmm. I mean they were they were in each other's laps for the most part weren't they like they were yeah just hand in hand around the entire circuit so yeah just it's a shame. Around, yeah. <laughs> gleefully. Yeah. It's a shame because it was. I think it was Ocon's best qualifying of the season. Actually, uh, seventh place. Yeah. And uh, sort of early in the race, he looked like he'd got a bit of pace, but yeah, just didn't really go anywhere or do anything with it. All of which means McLaren have now retaken third place in the championship on 171 Ooh, yeah. points. Racing yeah. points are back on 154 and Renault on 144. Oh, oh, lads, what did I say last week? You did you say remember? it. You did. What I find particularly interesting about that as well is McLaren are now more than the 15 points racing point were docked ahead of them. So mm. you can't yeah, even say yeah, that McLaren key. are in that position just kind of by virtue of that penalty they are on are completely on merit in third place right now yeah with two races to go it's it's far from over but it's yeah i don't know if they're gonna be as quick next weekend but no we'll get to that yeah a few other bits to talk about bottas had an absolutely terrible first start then picked up a puncture at the second start. He did manage to fight back to eighth place, but it was sort of fairly lackluster. Apparently someone in the team um, pulled whatever bit of debris it was out of his tyre and said to Bottas, I'll keep hold of this to add to the, your collection of bits of other cars that have ruined your season. Because <laughs> it's been a bit of a theme for Bottas, hasn't it? An interesting little tidbit I noticed. On Bottas's final pit stop, he only changed three of his tyres. He left they left the front right tire on and changed the other three, which what? I thought was completely illegal, but apparently is yeah. actually legal. I think once you, through practice and qualifying, you have to keep them as complete sets, but apparently once you're in the race, as long as the cars always got all of the same compound on, you are actually allowed to change tires between sets. So I can only presume the only set of, I think it was mediums he had left, were the ones he got a puncture on. So they replaced the other three and obviously didn't put the punctured one back on. That's the only reason I can think of why they would do that. But yeah, that's that's a thing I've learned Ooh. this weekend is that it is legal to not change all the tyres at once and mix and match sets. How interesting. <laughs> but interestingly, if you watch the onboard, the, the guys on the front right corner still put the wheel gun on because 
the traffic light system needs to sense the torque from the wheel gun in wow. order to oh, I trigger love this. Yeah, like it's such a cool detail, and they oh obviously know that's the way it works. They had to do that. Chris, you absolute nerd. <laughs> even even I think that is super nerdy, and I'm I'm such I love like really geeky stuff like that. But oh my god, I think that's really interesting. <laughs> that though. is amazing. Yeah, that is really cool. That's really 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 cool. I say I call you nerdy as a compliment. That's it. <laughs> that's amazing. That's really fun. Yeah, it's very cool. But yes, that that's the thing I learned this weekend. That's really cool. I'm really impressed by that. Oh, it does mean yeah. Verstappen's close up the gap for second place a bit more. It's twelve points, I think, now between Verstappen and Bottas. Um, not that Verstappen cares. He, I saw lots of people ask him about it in various interviews over the weekend, and he was just like, second, third, it doesn't matter to me. I'm either here to win championships or not win championships, <laughs> which is fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Ferrari had a pretty poor race. Vel was really angry at the start. Uh, Leclerc sort of dived up the inside of him at the restart and kind of sandwiched Vettel between him and one of the McLarens. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's... Watching the onboards, it seemed a little innocuous, but you can understand what Vel was saying on the radio about they spend all the meetings leading up to the race saying, give each other space, blah, blah, blah. And then Leclerc just slings it up the inside into turn one. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if he was talking about... I mean, I, don't, I, mean, I could no, be completely what, wrong here. Was he definitely was. talking about that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because um, I think... Because the inc- sh- they incorrectly showed it with uh, the stroll incident in front of him initially. Oh, and he made it look like he was talking about that. Then they realised that what oh. they'd shown radio message-wise didn't go with what they'd shown picture-wise, and then they corrected it. Because he was making reference to the accident that they had, the coming together that they had in Austria. Yeah. Yeah, um, oh, because oh, he said again. Ah, that makes so much yeah, sense. Yeah, he said, he said, he said it's, it's, just yeah, like, yeah. he says it's just like Austria again or something. Yeah, he um, did. He did. I, and, I remember and then, I didn't do that radio message. My colleague did that radio message. But um, yeah. I remember seeing it thinking, like I watched them QC it thinking, are they getting this right? I'm not sure. Yeah, like, no, <laughs> in, in, in the initial live feed, they showed it, they, showed, they played the radio message alongside footage from Vettel's on board of the stroke via incident but um it was actually in relation to Leclerc chopping him up a little bit I mean it wasn't it wasn't that aggressive to be honest I think yeah I, think I mean but Vettel was just in a bit of a gap, crap like, mood what... yeah it, Vettel was just in a crap mood to be honest I think yeah. which I'm, I can totally understand given the scenario that they were in um, yeah. and I think he, he was just a bit like miffed that he'd got um, cut across a little bit, but I mean, there wasn't anything unfair about it or unjust. He's still, car... made, for it. still made for a good joke, though. His car looked <laughs> awful as well. I don't know if you've seen any of the onboards, but he said, like, yeah. it was nothing like the car he was driving on Friday and Saturday. And if you watch the onboards, he's just soaring the wheel over. In fact, he had a, I think he had a spin quite early on. He didn't get shown on TV, but I've seen some replays of um, the fast left hander at the end of the sort of back straight. the where there's the DRS zone, he uh, had a spin quite early on through there. It just looked near impossible to drive. Um, when he switched tyres later on, it came back to him a little bit, but it feels like all of the progress made in the last couple of races just went straight out the window. Um, mm-hmm. Leclerc actually struggled a lot as well. He sort of moved forward early on, then sort of faded down the order. He inherited 10th place when Perez 
retired, but pretty poor day all around. Yeah. And looking yeah. at the track we got coming this weekend, I don't suspect it's going to get any better <laughs> for them. No, I'm I, still well, interested less in corners, yeah. less corners to yeah. worry about. So it's true. It's hard to spin in a straight line. Yeah, I think like with you, you know, you just sort of set off a train of thought in me there. I think like this this weekend coming up is going to be uh, very much an engine sort of weekend. It's going to be you know, you're going to get Mercedes, 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 probably a couple of Red Bulls, then maybe the Renault engine cars, and then the Ferraris all yeah. in sequence. I don't expect the Aero is going to play as much of a part. But I don't. I mean, I don't know. We don't really know until they, until the lights go out and they're practicing and qualifying. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to see who fully commits to like Monza wing setups and stuff. Yeah. Um. But I mean, the Ferrari cars all struggled at this race. Uh, in fact, George Russell finished ahead of all the Ferrari power cars. Um, yeah. Vettel was sandwiched between the two Williams, which is obviously not where you'd expect a Ferrari to be. Um, decent weekend for Williams yeah. though. Uh, Russell qualified into Q two again, um, and they actually sort of showed decent Held pace. It. Yeah, Latifi yeah. went forward in the race. Um, yeah, signs of progress from them, which is always good to see. Yeah. Mm. Shall we pick a driver of the day? Yes. Um, I think there's something to be said for Science's drive. Yeah, Science I said fifteenth to fifth. I think it was is. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's pretty. That's actually a, an absolutely wild changing order, isn't? Changing order from yeah to go from that far back to that height. Yeah. So what's that? Ten places? Quick maths. Yeah. Yep. Quick maths. I think Perez is a good shout as well. Obviously, the result didn't come for him, but it was a really, really good drive to hold on to that third position for the entire race, basically. Yeah. Um, so just to point out the because we, we always do this, we should point out that the official driver of the day was Roman Grosjean. Yeah, for um, for understandable reasons. Um, yeah, for yeah, there there was also yeah. a campaign to give it to uh, Alan van der Merv, who's the medical car driver, which I can also yeah, very much that get. Been rad if they'd done that, that would have been so sick. If yeah. they'd been able to do that, should we do that? I'll, I'll do <laughs> yeah. that. I mean, I I'd, I'd, that. I'd happily do that. I mean, it wants it wants me to the pair of them, though. I think. Yeah. I mean, drive of the day is like we're in a different scenario because there's two people in that car. But yeah, yeah. The, the medical car. Alamander van der Merwe and Ian Roberts, drive of the day. Yeah. There you go. Done. Done. Lock it in. How about move of the day? There was only one. There can be only one. <laughs> there yeah. can be only one. Is it? Is it science on Leclerc? It is. That was yeah. a monster move. <laughs> it was, was really so good. good. Watching the highlights, there was only one other move that stood out to me, and that was also Sainz. So, <laughs> either way, he's winning. <laughs> Sainz had a hell of a drive. I mean, yeah. if we if we had to pick a, just just actually just to bring it back to that for a second, if we're picking a driver of of the race drivers driver of the day, then Sainz probably would have been mine. But it is absolutely yeah. yeah yeah. He's had a very very good weekend. Yeah. Well, other than qualifying, I guess. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, that move on Leclerc into turn one was sort of, it was just so good. And I think it was made all the better by the camera angle they were showing it from as well. It was this kind of, 
side on camera rather than the camera that just faces down the straight. So it just looked all the more impressive. Yeah, it was like super cinematic actually the way the way it played out on screen because they, it really they actually was. caught like a few different angles yeah. leading up to the move like as they went up the straight. So it made it there were a good mix of close-ups and and sort of wider shots and onboards and it just yeah like they, they sort of they they knew it was coming and they found a way of of making it look even more cinematic and it looked absolutely brilliant on screen. It looked like what you'd expect to see in like a end of season highlights package or something yeah, that's been carefully yeah. edited together afterwards. TV. But it, yeah, it just came together in real time. It was very yeah. impressive. It's going to make Dom's job easy. Shout out to Dom. <laughs> yeah, just copy paste. It's already done. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then final award for the day. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Uh, so there was a marshal <laughs> went running across the track when yeah, that's car was on fire. That's that was wild, insane, that was daft. Yeah, that yeah. was really silly. Especially like I mean, we've we've talked about things like this before already this season. Um, like races going back live or sessions going back live with recovery vehicles still half on track and marshals clearing yeah. things up and stuff. That's sadly another yeah um, example of it and. I mean, you'd have thought with what had happened at the start of the race, maybe things like that were, you know, even more closely watched. But yeah, I mean, I I yeah. will say, Sir Michael Massey's been asked about this afterwards, and he has said that there was absolutely nothing uh, saying that he should have been doing any of that, and it was just down to that one marshal being. Again, perhaps under the circumstances of what happened during that race, being a bit, yeah. yeah, being a bit enthusiastic with his uh, with his choices mm. there. So on this occasion, I don't think it's necessarily a problem with the way things run. It was more just, no, you know, yeah. you crazy. can put all the things in place you want, but you can't just stop a marshal deciding to run over the yeah. track. But of course you yeah. can't, absolutely not. And to be fair to the guy, to be fair to the marshal, you've got a burning vehicle there ahead of you and having seen what you've just seen i think yeah I, if, if the road's clear then i'd probably do the same thing. you can understand the thought process can't you yeah so but it was on from on board from morris's <laughs> car and the radio message that he put out with it as yeah well. <laughs> yeah it was a i mean he's got to be unnerving though like you, you come mm. around that corner oh, yeah. you see that you see the yellow flags and obviously you i mean at that point you are still slowing but them, them cars are still doing serious speed even under oh, yellow yeah. flag conditions yeah. and it might it might not look it but they they're doing motorway speeds plus at times way more than motorway um, speeds even under yellow flags well it, yeah it depends depends on what part of the world you're in like yeah, but yeah. They, they're doing they're doing very fast speeds and it, like obviously his his instant reaction in those scenarios is he's he's looking for the car right he when 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 you're in that scenario, this is how I imagine it goes down: is you're looking for the incident that the flag is for, and oh, your you're eyes, talking about as, a, yeah, as a driver. Yeah, sorry, as a driver, your, your eye line's instantly going to be drawn to the car. So the yellow flags are for the fact that there's a car stopped somewhere or, or something similar to that, like hazard on track, marshals on track. So his his eyes instantly going to be drawn to the 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 stopped car of Perez and he's looking for people around that attending to it. Some guy running from the opposite side of his vision, where once he's like tracking that, it, it 
it's scary. Like it's yeah. just scary to think about. But you the, can understand the reaction, I, can't you? When when you put it, in yeah. Perspective. Like it's, and I, I, I think that I'm sure they already do tell them, but it probably just wants to be drilled into anyone that's, um, <laughs> that's doing that job. Like generally speaking, they do an awesome job, like keeping things safe and and doing what they do. But I think it probably just needs drilling into them. Like do you do not cross the track in any circumstance, and if that means that. They have to consider where fire marshals are more, so that someone like that doesn't have to cross the track in the first place. And there's one at either side. Then that's something that needs to be considered, isn't it? But yeah, yeah you, you've got to have it really drilled into them of do not cross the track until you are told you can. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So on a lighter note, I've got another WTF. Oh. Um. It's the who let the dogs out? WTF. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, just just Seb singing that alone is delightful. That was good. I mean, yeah, great message. And not only that, but they found the dog as well. It was a little stray dog, and the and the oh. the rescue dog people found it and yeah. rescued it. And now, you if you if you live in Bahrain and you're after a pet pooch, get in touch with <laughs> Bahrain Pet Pooch Rescue people, and they'll give you a little doggy, a little Formula is One that- doggy. Is that the legit name of them, Pet Pooch people? No, I, don't, I, just, I made that up. I'm two wines deep, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm it's, it's a two wine episode. Um, did that, I think they actually... Oh, no, they were asking for suggestions for a name. Oh, yeah. So the, the place that they took the dog to is called Bahrain Animal Rescue Center, which abbreviates to Bark, which is fantastic. <laughs> Um, oh right, we spent center with a C, with a yeah, yeah okay, bark with enough. a C, but still bark with a C. I'll give them that; they can have that. Sorry, don't, I'm a, I, don't I, say it. Don't either of you say it, please, because I will lose my rank. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Um, I'm gonna move us on. I, I think the only other WTF that springs to mind is Perez driving half a lap with his car basically on fire. That seemed yeah. a bit ambitious. Yeah, that was that was mental. I yeah. mean, desperation, wasn't it? Desperation Absolute was the word. Yeah. Sheer desperation. Like, like maybe I can you... coast around for the next three laps yeah. on fire. You know what? I respect yeah. that. I totally respect that. I'm like really pleased that he just he kept it, he <laughs> kept it going as long as he possibly could because so yeah. often you see them have the the slightest thing go wrong with a car and they and they pull over and the yeah he was. Absolutely, going it was, the it was like no, I want lap, this maybe, pony. but <laughs> I was desperately yeah, I, I... hoping he'd he'd click onto it. I really hoped. I, I was I was hoping for like a him to cross the line and just like burst into flames, jump out the car, and start celebrating. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, shall I, I run us through prediction results? Did, did we pick a WTF or are we just gonna? <laughs> oh, we didn't. We didn't officially label one, did we? We need to. We actually do need to officially label one. Should we? Should we keep rules. it lighthearted due to the whole nature and just go with the dog again? <laughs> a dog on the track for the second race in a row. Dog on the track for the second time in a row is like yeah. that does not happen. Like they yeah. literally they tried to do. <laughs> this is this is a bit of insight. They tried to do a top five dogs on <laughs> tracks, and they they couldn't. <laughs> it's actually quite dark. They couldn't. Um, find enough where the dogs didn't die yeah i had a feeling that'd be the case could, could they have not just done like animals because you could have got one pablo montoya's odia moment yeah, that's Odea, a classic godzilla uh, godzilla yeah. the i mean um, the water monitor the the 
giant eagle that swept across Texas. Did yeah. you say water Countless monitor? groundhogs. Yeah, it was a water monitor. <laughs> oh, the, oh, I see, I see. The, in yeah, Singapore, the, in the Godzilla, the water monitor, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I've learned a new thing. I've learned see, another new thing so, today. So what go. we've done is we've officially it. compiled the best best five animals on track. Mate, I have had that in... Like, I could do ten. Mm. I could literally <laughs> do ten. Oh, There's, what about what about the Canada pigeons or whatever Canada they were? Pig- groundhogs. Seagulls. Constant groundhogs in Canada. Oh, groundhogs yeah, for days my, fav- my, my favourite thing about the Canada one is the way that <laughs> Lu- the, the banter Lewis and Seb had afterwards, where Seb was like, it's in my it's in my line of sight and it's just not moving. And Lewis is like, "What are you talking about, mate?" And he's like, "Look at the pigeon, it's just not." And they're just like arguing over this footage. It's like it's the highlight of like that entire. <laughs> yeah, they've just, they've just got out of, of race cars and they're discussing birds that are on the track. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we move on? <laughs> right, predictions. Um, so, actually, surprisingly, it was a relatively high scoring week for most. Um, we all got the double ham, so we all got two points there. And I got 17 finishes correct, so I finished the weekend on three points. In terms of at home, it was an even better weekend for a lot of people. Um, we even got a five out of five, gentlemen. The rare five out of five. It, it, it does it happen. Happens. It happens. Proof. So congratulations to Gareth Howells, who this week scored a perfect five and the other 13 people just behind all with four points so many people on four points as well this weekend basically missing either first dnf or daniel kvyat's position everything else spot on for all those people scoring four points um so yeah it's very well done to you all it's sort of weird like i don't want to put down the achievements of getting five out of five at all it's very impressive but if you think about that race and then look at that list of predictions like that the predictions results are actually fairly normal like they don't yeah. tell the story of that race in the slightest <laughs> yeah yeah that is true that still is very true. impressive though um get in touch and yeah. we'll uh figure out how to get a prize to you indeed mm. and in terms of the overall standings it makes things quite interesting with a lot of people scoring a lot of points um what happens and nathan bailey are now actually tied for the lead on 29 <sighs> points apiece oh it's so um, tight at the top yeah and chris mannering is in third on 28 points so it is very close now chris asked me to have a look and see like a who's still in it for the for the overall title and technically speaking from a mathematical standpoint 78 people <laughs> wow. are still in with a chance wow. because the, the person on the top is on 29 points we have two races left so that's 10 points if if people do get a perfect weekend on both which obviously is difficult but it is possible so going all the way down to people on 19 points that's the 78th person in the list um do you want an interesting tidbit do you want to know who the first person who is mathematically eliminated Oh, it's one of us, isn't title. it? It's going to be one is of you... us. I bet it's me. It's, it's Chris. Oh, no. <laughs> no it? Chris is the first person in the standings who is mathematically eliminated. I'll be honest. From... I thought I was a lot lower than 79th <laughs> in the standings, so I'll still take that. <laughs> yeah, so overall, you're 79th on 18 points. Uh, <laughs> Stu, you're 51st on 22 and a half. 
Um, and the, the constant leapfrog back and forth between mm. me and you means I'm 35th on 23rd point, uh, 23 points. So still half a point between me and you. It just yeah, appears I'm to alternate lo- which I'm way really around it is. I'm enjoying this seesaw that it, we're having. Yeah, it's it's a it's a ding dong battle between us. Um, I'm quite I'm quite glad we're so much closer to the actual top this year because mm. usually we get absolutely. <laughs> Railed by speaking but... speaking of being close to the top, I saw earlier. I mean, I've already messaged you this, but I wanted to say it on the podcast as well. <laughs> in the uh, thing in the fantasy league, I am what was it now? Oh, it was nine hundred and sixty something in the world. In the world, in the, in the world. whole world, in uh, the whole wide world, the billions of people who live in the world. I am nine hundred <laughs> and something in the Formula One fantasy league. That's what that says is you're better at picking a team. Well, only marginally better at picking a team Imagine. than you are at the overall. Well, you're not exactly doing bad at predictions, are you? So. <laughs> uh, no, well, I, I suppose, yeah, I'm doing better in predictions anyway because I'm, what, my 50, how many? I suppose it depends on if you look on it on a percentile basis. Yeah, well, in the world. Smaller. In the world. <laughs> well, in the world. <laughs> that is true, actually. I'm going to start saying I'm 35th in the, in the world. world. It's true. It's not, it's, not, it's not a lie. I mean, anyone in the world can enter. Yeah. yeah. There, there's no regional restrictions on this. This is a league for the world. <laughs> um, right. We'll do predictions for... Is it is it official called the Sakir GP the, the next one? Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. We'll do predictions for that in a moment. I guess we've got. Um, Should we have a qu- I guess a quick bit of F two catch up? Yeah, so a really quick Formula Two update because obviously we're getting towards the uh, the end of the season for those. Well, we're getting towards the end of the F one season as well, but even closer for Formula Two. It was a sort of a lackluster weekend by Mick Schumacher's usual standards. Uh, he was fourth in the feature race and seventh in the sprint race. Callum Eilert actually outscored him by uh, about eight points uh, to close the gap, but Eilert did sort of throw away a chance to uh, cut that gap even more um, by... Yeah, he was it was kind of a... He was semi-avoiding action, semi clumsy attempt at an overtake I think in the uh, sprint race uh, which gave him damage and a penalty dropped him right back um, still very close though it's now uh, four, no, 16 points the difference between Ilos and Schumacher at the top of the table with uh, just one more feature race and sprint race to go so it's still very much alive but Schumacher's edging closer he can get away mm-hmm. with another average weekend I think and still clinch the title yeah, Sonoda had an absolute disaster of a weekend. Uh, he is now back down to fifth place with Lungard and actually Delatraz as well, sort of hot on his heels. He needs that fifth place to get the super license points for the AlphaTauri drive we think he's lined up for next season. So worth keeping an eye on him next weekend as well, as I'm sure um, <laughs> Dale Kvyat will be as well. Uh, And Nikita Mazepin, actually, is worth mentioning, who we believe is about to get the Haas seat for next year. He had a really, really good weekend. He's actually still in the title fight. He's on 162 points, so still a fair chunk. He basically needs a double retirement from Schumacher to be in with a shout. But um, I thought it was worth mentioning that he had a good weekend, given that we've been a little critical of him over previous weeks. Um, Yeah, that's fair. 
but yes, uh, if you haven't been watching F2 all season, definitely tune in for the final two races because there's something yeah. about Formula 2 and Bahrain that just always produces great racing. Like every year they go there, it's always a really, really good race. Um, so I'm sure on the other weird layouts, we'll get another one, another two, in fact, this coming weekend. Yeah. Speaking of the other weird layout... Hmm? Should we do? Should we come up with some storylines going into this, oh, this yeah. race at the outer loop? Midfield battles always a go-to with the storylines, and McLaren have um, established a bit of a lead in that fight now. So uh, now is the time for consolidation, isn't it? Now is the time where they really need to get another. If they can get another really good scoreline up on the board with their two, with both drivers, then. You know, they'll be quids in for Abu Dhabi. They should be able to hold on to it there. Yeah, so it's, it's a really yeah. crucial. I think it's a race everyone expects racing point to be the fastest of those three teams at. But yeah. if McLaren can just be in there behind them, that should be enough to just keep the points ticking over, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really hope McLaren do finish the season at least 15 points ahead of racing point. It'd I be think. a nice way of doing it, wouldn't it? It would, yeah, yeah. It, it just take away any of that sort of, you know. Oh, it was. You wouldn't have got it if it weren't for those meddling kids, kind of. The, yeah, there's vibe. always going to be an asterisk next to it, otherwise, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, other storylines: Ferrari, Ferrari. It's going. I'm going to be really interested to see how the Ferrari-powered engines do do at the uh, alternate Bahrain Grand Prix circuit. Um, I ex- I expect that the Ferraris will struggle. I think all the Ferrari engined cars will struggle a bit around yeah. the circuit. There's no doubt they have been improving this season, but this circuit almost feels designed to show off their flaws, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, next one, Aero. I think. Who is going to gamble? Who is going to go for yeah. the Monza Aero package, if anyone, for this very straight circuit that we've got lined up ahead of us? You know, and and then how will that affect the racing? Will we get multiple cars all with really really low downforce, all struggling through the twisty the the short twisty bit to make those gains up on the um, upon the straights? Like it's. It's the sort of circuit that could lead to some really tricky handling cars, I think. Mm. I, I, I think we could be in for another weird result mm. in this race. Because just, 2020. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, is, it is a weird one. Like, I mean, those, those three straights are going to be ridiculous, but then you've still got that little element of... The sort of, I suppose you call them medium speed, wouldn't you? Up in that top section, that sort of middle bit of the lap. Um, So it is, it's going to be an interesting balance, aero wise, because if you go too far the wrong way, you're going to be massively compromised in one side or the other. I imagine low downforce is probably the better of the two options because it's going to be the vast majority of the map 
at the map. Oh. <laughs> it's like Call of Duty. Game, game of <laughs> 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 Podcast. Yeah, it's well, I think it's more that I'm thinking of a circuit map. Yeah. I think that's where that's come from. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's the it's the vast majority of the circuit is those straights. When you when you think about it in distance and, and where the time's gonna be made up. Yeah. Uh, so I'd, I'd probably imagine to see more teams leaning towards that lower downforce setup. It's yeah, just about how so far they go. I guess the the tricky part is with Monza when you put on the skinny wing, Monza's very sort of start-stop, isn't it? Whereas this circuit yeah. has some sort of more medium high-speed corners, which is going to exactly. be incredibly difficult running next to no downforce. Yeah. And that's why it would be so interesting to see if anyone does take that gamble of super low downforce. Because I've got a feeling Red Bull mm-hmm. will. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely an element of unknown going into this circuit. They're sure, they've got data from running it in other conf- configurations, but absolutely, it's worth at least having half a session on super low downforce and then changing it over yeah. to medium downforce. Yeah, I, right I imagine we'll, I suspect we'll see some teams sending out their two cars with completely different setups and doing some comparison yeah. in practice one. Yeah. A practice session that will actually be useful for one. Yeah, who knew? <laughs> oh, they're all useful. They're all useful. They just generate rubbish racing. Um, <laughs> You've next... just reminded me of one of my favourite things that's ever happened in F1, which was, I can't remember what year it was. It was probably like, Jensen Button was at McLaren, so it's going to be like 2010, 2011, I think, when everyone turned up at Monza with their skinny wings and McLaren pulled out oh. the pits with a massive rear wing on the back because they'd found a way to stall the rear wing in such a way yeah. that they could have a huge rear wing and not not yeah. produce any drag it was like it was one of those moments it was sort of similar to when mercedes first used um the das system and everyone just sort of is going what what are they doing so how is that head, possible yeah. yeah 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 you just massive totally sidetrack there yeah not me off track there completely chris but never mind <laughs> um what was my next one? My ne- oh, Lewis Hamilton is my next one. Lewis Hamilton is on track, on course to be the highest percentage winner of a championship if he can win this next two races. So, um, I really we mentioned this one last week, but I wanted to mention it again because I'm really excited by this. This, this is one of the things that's kind of making the end of the season now. The championships wrapped up. You know how much can he dominate the championship? Mm. So this is kind of like the the stretch goal, if you like, the, extra, <laughs> yeah. the, the bonus points, if you want. Um, and I want to see him get them. I want to see all the records tumble. I want to. I want this because this is now the. It probably will be for the foreseeable future. If you watch Ted Kravitz's piece before the race, the fastest Formula One car ever to exist. The uh, this year's Mercedes. So can Hamilton extract the absolute maximum out of that car this season? And if he does, then surely, you know. Yeah, oh, totally. Just ends the argument forever, doesn't it, if he does? He, he'd also tie Schumacher and Vettel for the absolute number of wins in a single season as well if he wins the last two races. Yeah. Just yeah. record after record, isn't it? It really is. We should we should set up a whole new part of this podcast called Stat Watch, where we just <laughs> see which records Hamilton's broken this week. In fact, there should be a little website, like the Pastor Maldonado website, has Pastor Maldo's <laughs> 
crushed this week. It should be, has Hamilton broke a record this week? <laughs> he just can't help himself at the moment. I just feel like every race is a new one, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think with all that, it's probably time to make some actual Ooh. predictions. I've got one last storyline to mention, actually. Oh, go ahead. Will this weekend see this new circuit take the record from Monza of the fastest ever Formula One lap? Ooh. Because it was a record. Laps, I believe, this week. Um, well, it's a it's a it's a qualifying record, isn't it? It's the, um, the fastest average oh, yeah. speed across a across a single lap. Um, it was Montoya for a very yeah. long time, um, and then I think it was was it Bottas that took that record? I think last year or this year. But there's a very good chance that this circuit will be able to take that record from Monza. Yeah, from the Temple of Speed. Another one for Statwatch. But yes, let's. <laughs> I guess we should make some predictions. For like the fourth or fifth time this season, let's make some predictions for a circuit we've never been to before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is this is great fun. I'm really enjoying predictions this year. Uh, Tom, fastest in Q- Q3. I would go back and talk about, normally at this point, we'd go back and talk about other hmm. races at this circuit or last year or last mm. race or whatever, but there's really not much point. Well, we could take so, like the sector one and three times, and then <laughs> guess sector two, <laughs> and then the guess guess the yeah. middle bit. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sort of gonna just base this on where. Oh no, 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 I'm not gonna give you my my decisions, Lewis. <laughs> I'm gonna give you. The, I'm gonna give you clues into how I come to these conclusions. Okay. Oh, wow. Someone's. So, is there only two races to go, Chris? <laughs> How many two I races mean, to go? And no, it's, it's, more, it's, more that, it's more that if I just say it, it's easier for you to copy what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, I don't particularly need a secret system to come up with Hamilton fastest in Q3. No, you don't. Do no, you, but yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll see what, where I'm going with it. And um, Hamilton as well yeah. for Q3. Um, Chris, who's going to win? Hamilton. Hamilton. Uh, I'm going to say Hamilton as well for the win. Tom. Okay, my jokey one that'll give away my system. This is not my real one, but the joke one is Pierre Gasly. No. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with... Is Gasly driving the Red Bull next week? Is that... <laughs> no, I'm, go- I'm going through the Monza results. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just like... Uh, no, I'm not risking it. Hamilton. Oh. <laughs> I was I was going to throw Go a curveball, but risk I'm not... it, risk it. No, not on that. Go on, not on that. I'll give. I've written yeah. it in, but I'll I'll delete it if you want, and you can risk it. No, it's too late. No. I've said it now. Okay, it's too late. I've said yeah, it but now. we can we can we can you, you on this occasion <laughs> if you want to change. Once they're it. locked in, mate, they're locked in. That's just the way it goes. Okay, okay, fair enough. <laughs> first DNF this week. It's my turn to go first. Um, I am going to say this is a hard one this week especially in the light of everything um i'm gonna go i'm just gonna go off the top of my head really fast i'm gonna go latifi again i went latifi last week i think i did latifi this week i'm gonna go back up the list chris i'll go for ocon ocon and tom i will go stroll stroll let's yeah, that's a good one. Um, and their number of finishers. Chris, you can go first. Um, I'll have 18, please. 18 <laughs> finishers. And Tom? 17, it went for me 17 last week. 17 finishers. I think I will go 
nine team finishes this week. Ooh. And then Chris hit me with a rando driver. Random driver is Max Verstappen. <gasps> oh boy. Ooh. Second. I'm doing second. it. Second. Chris, uh, Tom's gone second. Chris. Oh, man. Third. Ooh. I think Bottas oh. is going to have an okay weekend and come second. This is, this is a difficult one. I'm going to go third as well. Ooh. For, for differentiation's sake, I'm going to go third. Damn, that's it's a tricky a bit, one. So, so basically, it's, we're just going to leap from it's the, it's, it's, the thing is, it's, it's the Mercedes. It's the Mercedes engine. He's, he doesn't have a Mercedes engine. If he had a Mercedes engine in that Red Bull, he'd be second, no doubt. But Watch Perez come third now. Watch Verstappen not even get on the podium. Yeah, watch Verstappen will be first DNF now. I've done all that. <laughs> Probably. Right. Yeah. Yep. Hello, everyone. Chris here from the Edit Desk. As I'm sure you've already figured out, we recorded this before this morning's news of Lewis Hamilton's positive COVID test. Obviously, primary thing is that we're glad he seems to be okay and we hope he gets well soon. It does obviously ruin all the predictions you've just heard us make. Um, We don't know at the time I'm recording this who is going to be in the Mercedes this coming weekend. So once we know that, we will remake our predictions um put them on twitter and facebook and stuff just for a record of it and we'll open the predictions for you guys at that point in time obviously all of the potential hamilton records that we mentioned earlier are also uh, out of the window now but we left them in the edit because it's interesting stuff regardless we also now know that Nikita Mazpin has been confirmed for one of the Haas seats. That's another thing that uh, kindly waited for us to finish recording before being announced. I wouldn't be surprised if Mick Schumacher's also been announced for the other Haas seat by the time you listen to this. So I suspect they might wait until after the uh, F2 Championship is wrapped up. But yes, main thing is uh, we won't be sticking with those predictions. Obviously, won't come true. And as soon as we have confirmation of who's actually going to drive in this weekend, they'll be open for all of you guys as well. Okay, back to the show. And that's it for predictions. You can submit your predictions by going to backofthegrid.com and um, signing in. You all know the drill by now, surely. We're nearly at the end of the season. Um, <laughs> yeah, so let's move on to some inbox. Is. Uh, keep me saying now. Duncan Monday says, with Callum Eilert uh, announcing he won't be driving next year, who do you think will be in the Haas seats? Uh, do you think Perez's performances have pushed Hulkenberg out of the frame for the Red Bull seat? Should say that's Callum Eilert announcing he's not going to be driving in F1 next year. Um, yeah. Whether he'll do another season of F2. I mean, in a way, it depends on whether he wins the title or not, because if he wins the title, he can't do a season of F2. (laughs) But I think he's kind of hinted in the past that he doesn't really have the budget currently for a second season of F2 because it's ludicrously expensive. But that being said, I think we're almost certain now it's going to be Schumacher and Mazepin in the Haas seeds, don't we? I would be be very surprised if it isn't. Same. Yeah, I don't... there's very much to say otherwise at the minute, I think, isn't it? Yeah. As for Hulkenberg, yeah, I think he's probably third choice at best for that Red Bull seat now, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Talia K says, should F1 have paid full-time marshal positions? Obviously, volunteers are amazing, and an option could be some sort of mix. In a sport with so much money, surely some should go to important trackside safety jobs. Well, it does. I think there's, you know, you've got your, you got Michael Massey, who's in charge of the entire operation of safety at F1. He briefs every marshal every race, so or, or the mm. team who his team who go around the circuits with F1, the world with F1, brief all the marshals every race, um, and usually the marshals are quite experienced for each track. I think it's probably better to have the actual marshals work for the track because each track has its nuances and i feel like yeah if you had a different a group of people going to a bunch of different places every year getting you used to different layouts of circuit different rules at different circuits different situations different routes then it would probably do more harm than good i know when the races go to new countries they'll often take um some experienced marshals from Silverstone usually over to the new races to help train the marshals in the the new circuits. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know, I, I assume it's the case with most countries. I know it's definitely the case at Silverstone that you don't just get to volunteer and turn up to do an F1 race. The getting to be a marshal at the F1 weekend is almost... A kind of reward for dedicating time throughout the entire year and gaining experience yeah. across lots of yeah. different things. So they do generally tend to be the most experienced marshals at F1 events. Um, I assume it's a similar system in most other countries. Um, obviously, some countries have a lot more racing than others. We know there are certain tracks that only get used once a year for F1 races, but yeah, and um, those ones do tend to you, you will get people they'll just ship them in from other yeah. countries totally next question Liam McEwen says Ricardo made some interesting comments about the amount of times the replays were shown personally as long as it's confirmed the driver isn't seriously hurt or worse I see no issue plus they held off showing it until they knew just wonder what you guys think Vettel actually said similar things to Ricardo yeah I mean I I didn't need to see it as many times as I did Um, I I can understand why from a broadcasting point of view I I guess they're going to repeatedly show it to some degree in case people are like only just tuning into it and don't know what's going on. I I guess there is some level of what they would do to repeat showing it. But I mean, you, you can be more selective about what you do show and what you do say, I guess. That's the tricky thing, isn't it? If you like tuned in 10 or 15 minutes into the race and there was a red flag and they weren't showing you why, then that's going to make you think something awful has happened it's um, going to make you get your phone out and start googling is what it's going to do yeah that's mm. a fair point i can see why the, yeah but the, the problem with that is you end up in a rumor mill like who knows what people post on the internet at that mm, point i don't know I, i'd rather i'd rather i'd rather have news from an official source than going around the internet reading some of the tripe that people post. Maybe, yeah but then it's down to you to you know select your reading on the internet wisely isn't it i think mm. i think it, look i think it was shown too much and yeah I, as someone I'm who so was there you. working that weekend like i've got you know i had to i had to see that accident way too many times for my liking and you know that's that's 
that's just on TV before I've even sort of looked at any edits or created any thumbnails or anything like that. So I think especially once it becomes apparent that nothing is going to happen for the next, what was it, 45 minutes, an hour, I think, the red flag. As soon as that becomes apparent, you don't need to be showing it every few minutes. Like I can understand the arguments for re-showing it for context and for analysis and whatever sometimes during that period but i do think it was excessive how often we saw yeah, the was. same things no i i, I do agree with that it, it, um, was, it was excessive it hit hard yeah. and it hit too hard and um, i didn't like it one bit no i'm with you on that uh wesley paul says uh, red bull is buying the rights to honda's engines and will need time to get up to speed they've suggested a development freeze ferrari is cool with that Mercedes and Renault, not so much for obvious reasons. Which of the paths should F1 take? So this isn't a guaranteed thing. It's uh, it's supposedly Red Bull's preferred option. There's um, mm. I think basically there's a sort of race engine tuning company in Austria that's not too far from Red Bull's headquarters and their preferred plan is to sort of buy the engine IP from Honda and then have, I can't remember the name of this company, sort of race run them but obviously that's just going to be running engines not developing engines so they're only going to do that if there is an engine freeze which you can completely understand why other teams would not want to do that ferrari in particular Mm. well not just for renault renault agreed yeah you know not not a year ago to to a to, to freeze them in a couple of years time so they were working up to that, to that. They've exactly. Got a lot yeah. of investment into, you know, getting the engine up to that spec. And, and they've got a project running now that would just be complete wasted money if they decided to can it and just freeze the engines this season. Or they've got to pump, you know, a crazy amount of money into getting them Completely, finished in yeah. time, which is just not possible. You couldn't finish an engine to that spec in that time and have it be reliable. So... You can see why Renault don't want to do it. Renault are the, the guys holding it up and they're mm-hmm. well the rights to hold it up. I There's no reason why they should cancel their project just because um, Honda have decided they don't want to run engines anymore. Yeah. Like, it seems yeah. crazy to, to force them to have to do that. Like I think under some circumstances, there is an argument for F1 encouraging the teams to come to an agreement f- you know, for the good of the sport. Like If it was a case of if we don't get an engine freeze, Red Bull have to drop out of the sport, then fair enough. But it's not. Red Bull have got three other engine suppliers that can choose from. And one of them yeah. is obliged to provide them engines. So Red Bull have already said themselves, regardless, they're not going anywhere for the foreseeable future. So I don't think, I think Red Bull are trying it on a little bit if they think the other teams are going to bend over backwards to help them get there. <laughs> Basically to help them not have to go back to Renault with the tail between yeah. the legs ultimately, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Red yeah, Bull, that's all this is. Red Bull gonna Red Bull. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Mm. Ali Walker says, while we're all quite rightly thanking and applauding the safety protocols, stewards and medics at the start of the race, it felt very stupid that at the end of the race, Perez drove half a lap with a car that was clearly going to go up in flames <laughs> and stewards were running across the track to put the car out, fire out. Um, my question is, should Perez or Racing Point be punished for this? His engine started giving up on the start-finish straight and he passed various surface roads where he could have parked up and the stewards would not have had to cross the track. This probably would have stopped the need for a safety car as well. 
end of question. Um, it, yeah. It was I, I think silly. he could have done a better job of where he stopped it, in all honesty, by stopping a little bit earlier than he did. But, I mean, we will always see it in the sense that even though it had gone like it did, the the team and him instinctively are going to try and very quickly assess what's going on. And if especially that close to the end of a, a race in the position that he's in, they, they're going to very quickly try and assess at least what's going on and if it is possible to keep running the car. Um, I mean, you hear it all the time on the radio that they, they know whether or not to stop it and they'll have probably told him as soon as they knew it was wasn't feasible to keep running it. I just yeah. think he could have maybe found a better place to to stop. I mean, I was uh, I was going to say at that point he doesn't know what is being spewed out the back of his car that could yeah, potentially ruin someone that else. As well. But then, having said that, I'm sure if that was the case, the team would straight away see that and tell him yeah. to get off the track. So, yeah, and I mean, initially in those stages, like if Perez potentially feels something go pop uh, at the back of the car. From it, or like feeling a loss of power, whatever it might be. But I mean, while it's just the blue smoke coming out the back of the car, he doesn't necessarily see that. Um, so it, was, it probably wasn't until the smoke was truly pluming and heading towards the the um, the cockpit area, which we saw <laughs> uh, smoke pouring out of there, that it's at that point he realizes how severe it is for himself. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think as one of you said, you're not going to stop until. It's until you absolutely have to, are you really? Yeah, I mean that, that's that's always going to be the case. But yeah, there's definitely an argument for trying to stop that little bit earlier, just to find a place to stop that's less. Yeah, had it been, I guess, had it been spewing oil or debris or something out the back, then I think there may have been an argument for yeah uh, the FIA having a word with them. But as it was, I don't think it was the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I could agree with that. Mm. Final question from Kevin Cosgrave. He says, my three-year-old has sat with me and watched F1 since he was born. That's some great parenting. I like that a lot. Uh, During qualifying on Saturday, he turned to me and proudly announced that Red Bull is his team. As a lifelong McLaren fan, I am, of course, heartbroken. Is there any way to try and get him back or have I lost him to the dark side that is Red Bull forever? Um, Get him to... um... Is Lando fairly clean when he's That's exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah. Is there a Lando playing Fortnite angle we can use here to. uh... (laughs) Yeah. Basically, basically, as long as Lando isn't effing and jeffing while he streams his games, then let your child watch that to a degree. If you're happy with your your child watching video games at that age. I feel so old right now. Like, what is it the kids like these days? Is it that Fortnite on their Game Boys? (laughs) That Fortnite thing. So that's, How long does that take to complete? Two weeks? <laughs> Are you winning, son? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the one. That's the one right um, but yes, I, I, I do feel for you, Kevin. That's uh, that's terrible news yeah. to find out. <laughs> Why is it called Fortnite? Because you build forts and... Prote- okay, the re- this is completely <laughs> off topic, but it's because... Um, in the original game, before it became this battle royale extravaganza that it is now, mm. you originally used to build a fort and defend yeah. from like waves of zombie creatures at night, ah, which is right. why it's spelled the way it is to a degree. I see. Interesting. So that's why it's called that. 
I'm glad I asked. Interesting that. gaming I'm, tidbits I'm with you, Tom. Yeah, I'm glad you. I, this is why I did it at this <laughs> point because I've got Tom the gamer. <laughs> Tom's gaming corner. Yeah. <laughs> um, another option. Right. Yeah, let, let, let him let him watch Lando maybe. Or just Pro- like, providing like, Lando is suitable. I'm sure McLaren sell merch for three year olds as well. Just buy him a bunch of stuff to wear and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, his just, brain's just, still malleable enough. You could just say anything to him and yeah. believe you as well. Dren- you could just say Red Bull killed a puppy. And then <laughs> That's that's the second dead dog reference this episode. And I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's the point we need to uh to pull this podcast over yeah. and Okay, it's time. And get out. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this week, as always. Uh I, I don't know you guys, but I've actually found it a little bit cathartic sitting down and just having our usual chat and laughing about yeah. things because yeah, I didn't helped. much enjoy watching that race and I wasn't particularly looking forward to sitting down and talking about it. But um, no. yeah, I hope we've been able to provide a similar service for people listening to this as well. As always, uh, please do join in the Prediction League, even if you haven't all season, because as has been proven this week, you can always get a five out of five and win yourself a prize. You can do that at backofthegrid.com. You can also send us a message there. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all those things. Just search Back of the Grid and you'll find us. If you want to send any comments about or complaints about um, Stu's dog jokes, make sure you send them to Stu oh, underscore yeah. PX and not the back of the grid. Yeah, account. directly yeah. to Stu, please. Direct, send them directly yeah. to Stu. I will, I'll Thanks. take full responsibility for that. I'm, I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for upset anyone. <laughs> and I mean that. I mean that. <laughs> and if you enjoyed Tom's Gaming Corner, he's got another podcast called That King Thing where he exclusively talks about games. So you can check that out as well. Yeah. Thanks, mate. You're very welcome. <laughs> On that note, I think we'll call it a day. So thanks again for joining us and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Can we just notice that I just said constant groundhogs? <laughs> That's there's an image that uh, no. Bill Murray would be proud. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I don't think that got enough recognition, so I well, felt the need to repeat it. It, it. it has now. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I'll let it out. Yeah, that's the one thing we do edit out. Is that <laughs> reference? Oh, imagine that'd be brilliant. <laughs>